You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd. This episode of the All Hazards Podcast originates from the city of Santa Barbara. Hey, you may have heard about October's Thomas Fire, the largest wildfire in California's history, and the floods and massive mudslide that immediately followed the fire. Well, Cal OES has many teams here right now, working in response and recovery and coordinating mutual aid from all around the state. A member of one of those teams is a firefighter, fire investigator and inspector and public information officer for the city of Santa Barbara Fire Department. She's going to talk about what she's learning from the one-two punch her community has suffered and how the county's Type 3 incident management team's actions just the day before the mudslide may have saved countless lives. Amber Anderson will also talk about how past disasters can change standard operating procedures and all kinds of standards. She talks about all that and more right now. So ladies and gentlemen, the Cal OES All Hazards podcast is coming to you today, which is Friday, Friday the 12th of January. We're here at the Santa Barbara County Office of Emergency Management. Sorry, it got all stuck. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is real life here. This is real life. So we're sitting in a room where there is computers, but there's also a hatch to the roof, and we have workers coming and going, and this is literally the only room we can use for this podcast. Welcome Amber Anderson to the podcast today. Hi, glad to be here. Isn't this interesting? You've got a guy standing above your head right now. (laughs) If the viewers could only see what's going on. (laughs) Things are looking up for you, Amber. It's, it's ironic that the one quiet room we thought we could possibly find here in the building is not so quiet anymore. It is. And, you know, this is typical. When I worked in television, uh, the rule was if we were going to do an interview outside, sure enough, an ambulance with its siren going or a leaf blower would come into play the minute we hit record. And that's exactly what's happened now. Watch out. He's coming down the steps. Here we go. Radio. That's okay. Even though we got lots of radios right That's here. right. You're live on the radio right now. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Do you see how much quieter it got now all of a sudden? Very quiet. Isn't that nice? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so the reason we're here, uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, is because of the Montecito mudslide um, here in Santa Barbara County. And Amber, you are with the... Uh, Santa Barbara City Fire Department, correct? Correct. That's yeah. where I am employed full-time, which just happens to be nearby and actually partially affected by this Montecito flood that it, we have. Yeah, in what way? In what way have you been affected by this? Well, in what way that our city is directly mm. affected? Actually, portions of Coast Village Road are within Santa Barbara City limits, and oftentimes people think that's Montecito, when in fact it is Santa... There's not quite so quiet okay so you remember that hatch we were telling you about that goes to the roof it's now been closed so we have this gentleman coming down and we'll let him do his job you're live on the radio no problem (laughs) so so as i was saying 
a lot of people think that Coast Village Road is completely Montecito when in fact that's actually a portion of Santa Barbara City and ironically uh, my full-time position with Santa Barbara City is a fire inspector investigator and that portion is part of my inspection district so I'm very familiar with that area. Wow okay so how long have you been with the fire department here? Uh, with Santa Barbara City 10 years maybe 10 years. 10 years but fire department in total going up on almost 18 years. Congratulations. Thank you. That's uh, You've seen some changes I know in the way that uh, the fire industry works, the protocols that it has, the rules that plays by, and and really, quite honestly, since 9/11, the perception of the public and the way they view firefighters. You guys are the mo modern day heroes now, and for good reason. So, as an inspector, what have you learned that you think um, may have helped you? Let's say coming here to this incident? Has anything sort of taught you something that you're able to apply now? Oh, geez. Uh, I know this isn't a fire, but... Yeah. You know, it definitely has helped. And looking at it from the inspector side of things, if I could even back up, you referenced 9-11. For us, I mean, that changed a lot with regards to the fire department and safety, public safety in general, and how we handle things. But if you go back to some of the previous fires, the Cedar Fire to name one, which was back in 2003 down in San Diego, the changes that came about that fire with regards to building codes, building construction, fire codes, defensible space requirements, mm -hmm. that has changed tremendously and that was coming up on 15 years ago. So to look at an incident like this, what I, I don't know how much it's changed what I've done, but it's interesting to see how the building codes and just general transportation. We have a lot in that area of what they call existing non-conforming uh, when it comes to roadways and access and uh, driveways and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see, it is interesting to see how all of that was affected through this uh, flood area. Mm -hmm. In fact, I actually honestly haven't made my way out there. We've been so inundated with public information and we can relay a lot of that without actually being out in the field because that's where the crews need to be out to do their work right. and we can do our, way, our work away from it. So I haven't actually seen it other than the pictures that the media has posted. But, you know, looking at it from that side of things, but then looking forward and I am really interested to see, I'm midway through my career, I'm interested to see how this event the Thomas Fire combined so close to this event also will play out and have an effect on building codes and how we as a fire service and just general public handle this in the future to avoid anything that's this catastrophic. Oh, for sure. I, you're talking about uh, codes. You know, we always learn something from these big disasters. What is it that you think you're learning right now through this whole process as a public information officer for the fire department? That's a very good question. You know, what I'm learning too is just maybe potentially the ways that we can convey that evacuation information or the, um, how could I put it? That's such a loaded question. I'm mm. kind of stumped. But um, well, we're how all, can we yeah. display the importance of these evacuation orders and warnings and all the work that goes into it? You know, we have gotten asked, especially in the last day, so many questions about the timing and how zones are determined and how we get that information. And I was actually part of Santa Barbara County's local type three incident management team who was activated a day before this. We actually met and activated and formed 
formed, I guess would be the word I could use right now, at noon the day before this to mm -hmm. start pre-planning and pre-positioning ourselves. And so I've seen a lot, and I'll tell you that first day on Monday, we had a lot of sprinkles. You know, weather was kind of off and on. Was it raining? Yeah. Were the roads wet? Yeah. Do we have a lot of rain? No. To uh, we got a lot of feedback and we personally thought, you know, from all this, like, are we hyping it? Is it going to be this big? Oftentimes here on the Central Coast, now living here for several years, we are so familiar with weather systems that are supposed to come in that because of local topography or whatever, they get pushed out to sea or they go north and they call for big rain events and they don't surface. This time was different. This time was different. And while we even in the back of our heads thinking like, is it a bunch of hype? Are we doing the right thing? Do we stand the team up? Do we not? Do we activate the EOC? I don't know. I don't know. We are so glad we did. You know, talking to incident commanders, we don't even want to think what happened if none of that pre-planning took place and this event happened at 4 a.m., no resources, no team structure, no EOC being stood up, the resources, the, uh, the urban search and rescue teams, the swift water team that we brought in a day ahead were able to get here ahead of time. Mm -hmm. If they weren't here, we now know the 101 is shut down and many of those resources came from Southern California. If you are on the other side of the 101 from this closure, which would have taken you 10 minutes to get to the flood area, now takes over five hours to get here. Mm -hmm. So thank goodness we and a lot of people had the foresight to st stand the team up. Could it have been the possibility this never came? and we stood the team up and then nothing happened, for sure, and we would have been grateful for that. But, you know, as public information officer, you think, how can we get that message out and portray, especially when we know we have an event that is potentially significantly catastrophic like this, especially when we have a lot of people that kind of have, I've heard the word float, like uh, emergency fatigue, mm. especially coming off the heels of the Thomas fire and being evacuated in excess of a week. Yeah. And the holiday season, everybody was burnt out and thinking, you look at that Montecito area, and we're familiar with floods, flat ground. Montecito's on a slope, so are they going to have flooding? You think, no. You look at mudslides like La Conchita. Is that obviously at the base of a significant slope? Yes. If you look at Montecito, it really falls in that in-between area. And I think people are just trying to use their own judgment and their own experience, trying to determine whether or not they leave. Yeah. And it's up to us as public information officers to portray the message of the incident commander that's been stood up to help them understand the significance of what potentially could happen so that they would be safer in the future. For sure. And I think uh, standing back, looking at whatever, how things have happened from the very beginning, from Monday all the way to now, uh, it was a good thing that you guys didn't roll the dice, that you didn't say, eh, it's not going to happen. It never does. Because you guys know that you have to take steps ahead of time if there's even the chance that something can happen. In this particular case, you guys almost as if you had a crystal ball and you could see the future. You, I think everybody knew, whether it was subconsciously or not, you knew something was going to happen and you better be ready. And you were. And the residents are blessed to have had professionals like you guys uh, working this particular incident. Moving on beyond you know, this particular topic, what else have you learned so far from the beginning of this? Maybe as a PIO, maybe not as a PIO, but what has really sort of risen to the top of your consciousness 
Yeah, you know, being in the fire service for quite a while now, what I would think was quite a while when I add it up and you look back and as a lowly firefighter as part of an engine company and they stress the importance of teamwork and knowing who your team is and relying on your training and it's such a small scale, right, when you're part of an engine company. But now after being in here on being here a while, being a public information officer, being part of our type three team, having some experience on some large, other large scale disasters. I was up near that Santa Rosa fire that we recently had. I'm really understanding and learning the importance of relying not only on your training, but the people that you actually work with. Mm. You know, the folks here in Santa Barbara are very blessed, if not to, to our own horn at the the tremendous talent that we have here, not only with our first responders, but the emergency operations center that we have, the joint information officer information center that we have as well as our local type 3 team so when you look at let me explain that just a little bit if people are unfamiliar with it if you look at incident management teams get brought in to manage large-scale disasters and emergencies in any fashion and those are typed out like based on the load and the capacity that they're able to support big incidents like this one which now is is supported by a type 1 incident management team you have type two, type three, and they get smaller, right, down to your actually engine company level. Santa Barbara County has a type three incident management team, and that's what was stood up at noon the day before this event. That team has had more experience than most type three teams throughout the state. We've actually been called to respond to other disasters across the country. We haven't responded to them because we were committed to so many other events, but the citizens should know the quality of the response that we have all the way around here and know that they are getting the utmost care out there and just the talent that they have and the skill level and knowledge that they're being provided with is second to none and I'm really proud to be a part of that all the way around. You should be. You should be. I concur with everything you said and having worked for Cal OES for the last four years or so um, I have been able to see different types of task forces and, and teams working from the north end of the state all the way to the south and uh, one of the things that I have noticed here is how well these teams work together, how, how sharp they are, and how dedicated they are. And these are all factors that you want in your emergency response community. And you guys have it, and kudos to you guys and the hard work that you put in. And the hard work that you've been putting in here in the JIC, the Joint Information Center, you're on the phone constantly. You've got uh, you got your fingers going, responding to emails. You've at the same time you've got a phone in your ear, <laughs> responding to NBC News uh, or whoever it may be at that time. I, I commend you for your ability to multitask and maintain a sense of humor and a smile, because that goes a long way when everybody is stressed. Talk about how challenging it is for you to be in that position. You are the the lead PIO essentially uh, in the JIC not the JIC manager, but basically you're the go-to person for this incident here in the JIC. How tough is it to maintain a smile while having all of this stuff rolled down on top of you? Uh, that's a good question. I'm answering it with a smile. I think you have to. And it's part of stress management and getting the work done. And I don't know how I've learned to do this. If you can take it back to my own family and you're dealing with kids, getting worked up and stressed is not going to help anything. Is it going to change that workload and every all the impacts that are going to be sent to you? 
no, but to do it with a smile and know this too shall pass is kind of in the back of my yeah. head. And knowing now these people that I'm working with now under this situation are the same people that I'm going to be working with at some point in the future, you know, and to have that sense of person, not personality, but to have that a sense of humor and just the human factor and know that what I'm going through and the workload and everything that I'm being impacted with. So are everybody else everybody else is going through the same thing mm -hmm. and we're all just trying to do our best to get a message out to get our work completed the tasks that were assigned things that come in nobody could nobody could plan all of the different things that we've been hit with through this incident in particular you know from out in the field to information and questions and the jick and i think you kind of have to just roll with it and do the best that you can and does it mean i have a phone on each ear texting going with my fingers and my hand on a mouse sending an email at the same time <laughs> yes you know and it, it, it's hard i think if i totaled it up yesterday at 6 p.m i'd only had seven hours of sleep since monday when i woke up at oh, 4 a.m and geez. honestly that was a struggle and i think smiling and just rolling with it is one of the de facto ways that i handle that and i definitely knew i'd almost reached capacity last night before i got a good <laughs> night's sleep I'm, much more smiley today. Yes, yeah. you are. You were trying to get out at 3.15. I don't think you got out until about 5.30, 6 o'clock, something yeah. like that. There's work that needs to get done, and I know yeah. it, like, public information, like I said, I haven't been out in the field, and sometimes you think, like, what good am I going to do? I'm not out in the field, and I'm sitting here behind a computer, but getting information out to people who seems like they're starving for information, and a lot of times on many incidents, they think we're not getting anything, but all of the work that we're doing behind the scenes, we are trying so hard to get every inf piece of information, get accurate information out at that. I mean, it's really important, and I personally don't feel like I can leave if I haven't done my job justly in that that case to get them everything that they could possibly have to feel comfortable or have knowledge to be able to take action in their own lives. I think people who have been in this business a short period of time don't understand fully the important role that the public information officer plays. Communication is key. It's either going to make or break uh, any types of successes that have happened out in the field. If those successes uh, aren't conveyed in the right way, the public doesn't know about it. They don't know that progress is being made. They don't know about the hope that is coming through. Misinformation is even a bigger problem. And so for you and people like me to get those accurate messages out is critical. Do me a favor, tell me a little bit about your community so that people understand what Santa Barbara County, what Montecito is all about because I think there is a misconception that everybody who lives in Montecito is Oprah Winfrey and Ellen DeGeneres. That's not the case, is it? That's not the case at all. And, you know, I'm new from this town. I wasn't born and raised here. I came here just after college. Um, this community isn't just Oprah Winfrey and Ellen DeGeneres, like you mentioned. And that that's a big misconception when I first started here. And, hey, where are you working? Oh, Santa Barbara. Oh, Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. You know, they that's what they all think. But after being here 10 years, to look at the community, you know, I've, I've been in the trenches when I first started. I was a fire service specialist. I met, knocked on door to door doing vegetation management, road clearance, pre-fire, right? Uh, Pre-wildland fire mitigation work. And I got to see the real humans behind this community. And we have, yes, do we have famous people? Of course we do here. It's a very desirable place to live, but we have so much more than that. We have a tremendous amount of tourism here. We have a city college, so we have a college life. We have a huge bustling downtown entertainment district. We have 
your everyday people that are working to support all of that you know Santa Barbara is such a unique community and so diverse a lot of people don't see that because what makes the news and the headlines do often come from the entertainment industry or higher-ups I don't know how to describe it but you know a little side note when I started here I was a, a was on an engine actually before I started here I was on an engine and that was my intention stay on an engine life happens started a family my intention was to go back on an engine I interviewed and took a position within the department more or less at the time just for interview experience with all honesty that's what I was doing I was told that there was a position I thought I'd interview I had actually just had my second child and ended up taking a position I even remember explaining to my husband it's only gonna be for six months till I get back on an engine I'm gonna go somewhere else I'm not staying in Santa Barbara just for I've been here 10 years now <laughs> you know to look back and think like gosh may will be 10 years and i couldn't imagine working anywhere else now yeah. you know i absolutely love it here i love the people i love the community the department the folks that i get to work with are second to none nothing but supportive and and it's rare to find that and i'm thankful for it here and in a disaster like this and to see the support between the people and the community and the departments the people that are working hard the people both throughout the organization and just every day supporting lives is, is tremendous and we're really lucky to have that here. For sure. And I think what we need to do to wrap up this uh, podcast is to leave the folks who may be listening with a little bit of hope, whether they live here in this community or not. Uh, this community can use all the hope and, and thoughts and prayers that they can get. If there's one thing you want to leave the listeners with, what do you want them to know about what's happening right now in Santa Barbara County with regard to this disaster? With regards to this disaster, know that everybody out here from the person operating the heavy equipment, the the dump truck, the bulldozer out there, the utility worker working to get utility lines strung back up, the first responders that, like you said at the very beginning, that are often deemed the heroes out there, you know, that are digging down using tools trying to pull these victims out from God knows where, what kind of situation that they have out there. Know that you have the very best and every single one of us are giving 110% of every piece that we have and, and we're not going anywhere. A lot of the people that are out there working if they're not from here they will be back as we can see we just had the thomas fire you know we're prone to wildfires now now obviously it's known you know mudslides debris flows like this you know they've always had the rumblings of earthquakes there's a good possibility that a lot a large percentage of the folks that are out here working through this disaster will be back and they know this community and the support that they have seen from this community through this incident through the Thomas fire, Jesusita fire, T fire, all of these fires that we've had in disasters, they will be back and they know us. And that support given by the community only helps them to do a better job. And then in that turn comes back and they do a better job for the community. So it's a win-win for everybody. And and I couldn't be more pleased to be able to say something like that. And we're I, not going away. I can tell you've got that big smile on your face. And I know uh, what you're telling me right now is genuine. Amber Anderson, the public information officer, uh, firefighter uh, with the City of Santa Barbara Fire Department. It has been a pleasure. Uh, you and I have basically gotten to know each other a little bit over the last few days. I appreciate it. Thanks for everything that you do and uh, thanks for your time and good luck. Glad to be here and thank you very much. Hey, a big thank you and shout out to Amber for making time to talk with me as she was being pulled in so many different directions. You know, I have to say, I'm going to be honest here, 
From day one of the Thomas Fire, I was impressed with Amber and how she was able to help my team and me with what we needed to do. You know, she was knowledgeable and she was so quick on her feet. She was professional and personal. Hey, who says the two can't coexist, right? Well, she embodies that. And a big thank you to everyone involved in the response and recovery efforts here in Santa Barbara. And if you haven't seen it, you might want to check out the urban search and rescue video story I posted on OESnews.com. It stars Jeff Bridges. Yeah, the actor, Oscar winner. He's in one of my stories. And I didn't have to pay him a thing. For everyone here at Cal OES and the Public Information Office, I'm Sean Boyd. Stay safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.